Peace, y'all. This is Alvin Aquablanco. I'm the director of content for Hip Hop Wired and CassisLife.com. Recently, we got to speak to Method Man of the almighty Wu-Tang Clan, hailing from Staten Island. We spoke to him about 50 years of hip-hop, the importance of Wu-Tang Clan in the game, the importance of Staten Island in the game, a.k.a. Shaolin. Wu-Tang Clan, of course, as you know, had a heavy influence in the game, shifted the culture, moved, hip- moved hip-hop culture forward. So, of course, we had to speak to Method Man to get his insight into what Shaolin, Staten Island, and what it contributed to the game. <laughs> All right, Mr. Meth, you mentioned a bunch of times how, um, as a comic fan, gave you your moral code, right? Are there any particular stories that um, stand out? Always Wolverine stories. Mm. Just, you know, the code of Bushido. Right. Right. Honor. And um, as I got older, I seen that, I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now, that it was an internal fight for him, always questioning whether he was more man or animal and how much would he give into his base instinct for violence. So yeah, a lot of that I, I took in stride. It was, it was a lot, it was, you know, a template for my uh, way of life, so to speak. Yeah. You, you still have the, I read they used to have the first appearance of Wolverine and Hulk. Well, actually it's the second appearance where they actually show him, show him, mm-hmm. but yeah, I still have it. I definitely dope. do. Yeah. Dope, dope. It's locked up somewhere. Dope, dope. Years, a few years ago, it was, I don't know if it was a rumor or that you wanted to do the Bishop character in the Marvel yes, Universe. Yes, yes. I was just putting it out there to see if it could, if I could hook something. But, you know, those guys at um, the MCU, they, they know their stuff. And um, I haven't had any problems with any of their casting choices so far. Mm-hmm. So whoever gets the job, I think Omar Sy did an excellent mm-hmm. job as yeah. Bishop. Uh, yeah. But that was the before, before yeah. MCU. Yeah. Um, if, they, if they chose him again, I think he'd kill it. Um, there's a few people out there, but if they're willing to give me a shot, I'll go for it, for yeah, real. Yeah. It's about time, because you've been doing Absolutely, plus I did, I've done all the research already, mm-hmm. for real. <laughs> no doubt. So, November's gonna be 30 years of Enter the Wu-Tang. Yeah, right? yeah, so, November 7th, I believe. Yeah, so yeah. when you came in the game, hip-hop was about 20 years old. Yeah, it was. So what's it been like seeing that growth, like decade after decade? Well, you've seen the, you've seen how um, it went from a million dollar business to a billion dollar business. Just know this: hip hop sets the trend for a lot of the cultures that we see today. A lot of the fashion that we see today, whether it be Timberland boots or those ugly ass Balen- Balenciaga sock <laughs> sneakers, hip hop did that. Yeah. Um, there's no denying that this this music genre has. Um, change the scale, the um, landscape of how music is even listened to, of how music is accepted. Um, and, you know, they keep switching the rules on us. You know, they keep moving the goalposts on us because every time we get a little win, it's something that drags us back or they put something in the forefront that doesn't represent all of us, just a small group of us. But you live and you learn. And um, in those 20 years, I've seen people come and I've seen people go. And I, and I am glad that I am still here, not just here, but relevant enough to be mentioned amongst some of the greats that came before me. Hold down. Yeah, that was a great fucking answer right there. It was a little long-winded, though. Nah, nah, it was on point. It was turning into word salad for point. a second, but I got it. It was on point. Yeah. So, in line with that, you've been able to thrive, right? Yeah. When you enter the scene, you look around, a lot of those people are gone. Yeah. Um, how were you able to basically not fall off? Uh, love, love thyself. 
first and foremost. Um, I can't speak to their stories or why they're in the predicaments that they're in, but I do know some of the pitfalls that come with the industry. And a lot of them are self-inflicted by the artists themselves. Um, there's nothing like getting an ego stroke, man, but it, it's, it becomes very addictive. And when the stroke isn't up to par to your standards of what mm -hmm. you feel like your ego should be stroked, right. pause, um, you tend to slide into reclusion. Is that a word? Yeah. Okay. Uh, seclusion. Seclusion. Re, re, seclusion. There you go. I'm sorry. There you go. You, you tend to slide into seclusion to the point where you become recluse. And um, when you start valuing other people's opinion of you more than your own opinion of yourself, that's when you have a problem. Mm -hmm. And for me, it became me basically not valuing what people said about me, but what I said about myself, not valuing what people thought about me, but what I thought about myself. And it's, it's working, it's, it's definitely working. And I think the fact that I'm still here is a testament to my work ethic. No and uh, people fucks with me heavy, Yeah, yeah, for real. Wu-Tang hits the scene, right? Protecting yeah. that B-size method man. Yeah. Our, our, it's easy to say you're the hottest dude in the clan, right? Okay. Did you ever accept that? Because it always no. seemed like you wanted to be like, yo, I'm good just no. being part of the group, not the... It's hard for me to, to say anything like, because the rhymes that I wrote was to impress these guys. It wasn't for everybody else. So mm -hmm. uh, the fact that I was in the forefront, I was always a performer, you know? Mm -hmm. Even when we were first starting out, I would always be in the front ready to grab the mic and perform, like get upset if I couldn't get on the mic kind of thing. So we all started at the same starting point, but for some people to advance a little bit further, I guess I had something that appealed to a larger crowd than the rest of the guys, but that larger crowd, whether Method Man brought them to the church, Wu-Tang kept them coming back. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. No I'm tired of using that one, though. I got to find a new one. <laughs> Word. So you started, you started in the acting kind of early in your career. Like, yeah. of course, like, you know, going outside looking in, it's like, oh, it was almost overnight. But clearly you put years in. Yes, sir. Started acting and you've thrived in that as well. Where yeah. a lot of guys might have done like a movie playing themselves or something. And that was it. You actually act. So. How'd that come about? That, well, yeah. you know what? Um, in the beginning, I have to admit, I only took roles that, you know, were me. There wasn't mm -hmm. any acting involved whatsoever. It was very green. And you could tell now. I mean, you look at it now, it's like apples and oranges to where I am now. When I decided to take it serious is when um, I saw exactly what these actors go through mm -hmm. just to get a part, you know, and to survive on a daily basis. So for me, that is motivation enough to go through every step that I have to go through in order to give my best performance and not just my best performance, but my 110% effort to make sure that I'm not the weakest link on this set. Mm -hmm. Cause there are people that show up hours before I do to make sure we all, everything runs smoothly. Who am I to come unprepared? No doubt, no doubt. What was the role that, that, uh, that did it for me? Yeah. Twist, all of them. Little by little, it was chipping away at the yeah. paint, little by little and shit. But I'll say the turning point was the cobbler when I did that with Adam Sandler. Yeah. When you work with somebody like um, Tom McCarthy, award-winning director, you're going to step up because yeah. he, not only does he demand a certain kind of respect without saying it, 
he also demands a certain kind of performance. And he'll walk you through the steps, but he'll only take you so far. You have to do the rest yourself. And the way he explained things to me was so easy for me to understand that I said, I want to delve deeper into this acting thing and step outside my comfort zone. Dope, dope. Yeah. A role I saw that, I don't know if you remember, was uh, Twilight Zone. Ah, yeah. Well, that was easy because my man, um, the guy who directed that, fun fact, was one of the stars of Teen Wolf. He played Michael J. Fox's best friend. Oh, shit. Yeah, the one that was yeah, yeah. on top of it. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. was, he's still crazy as fuck. <laughs> but that was, that, was, that was pretty cool. I got to, um, oh, matter of fact, my scene partner in that is in the MCU. She's Hawkeye's wife. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, and she played Velma yeah. in the Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah. 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 I had fun doing that. That was in Canada, too, man. They do a lot of stuff in Canada. As a matter of fact, they were filming Freddy vs. Jason while we were doing that. Word. You've been able to keep your respect, right, throughout the career. Yeah. How, man? I don't be in other people's business. Yeah. I think that, that plays a major part in it. Mm-hmm. My crew is deep. That's another major part of it. And we don't walk around disrespecting people, you know? That'll get you into a lot of trouble, disrespect. Mm-hmm. You know? What are the, as far as acting versus rapping, what are the, um, what do you take from one and apply to the other? Everything, mm-hmm. all of that is me. Mm-hmm. I love being creative. Um, but as far as the acting goes, I mean, hip hop has nothing to do with my acting whatsoever. That, what has a lot to do with my acting is post-traumatic stress disorder from my childhood Mm. and real life things that happen, not Mm -hmm. things that happen on the stage, interviews, concerts, whatever. Real life shit, grocery store kind of shit, laundry mat kind of shit, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to school shopping for your kids type of things, you know, just something genuine that keeps you grounded. Yeah. What about for the music? Because the music stayed potent, right? So Yeah, the music was the way it was because I was out there in the field. It's going to reflect in the music. Plus, that was the kind of music I was listening to. So, yeah, it was going to reflect everything I did in the field. But even now, when I write, I'm just trying to be clever. Mm-hmm. Clever, more clever than anybody else. I love words and wordplay, so I'm gonna hang my hat on that more than anything else. Okay, so for Staten Island specifically, how did that? What Staten in, Island? Yeah, just what? the history. You know, the history of hip hop with the uh, Force MCs becoming Force MCs. Yeah, when I got to, by the time I got to Staten Island, I got to Staten Island. It was seventy nine, eighty. I remember that because um, we dropped bombs on Gaddafi, and Reagan was the president. We had just got Reagan um, from Jimmy. We left, Jimmy Carter lost, Reagan won. Yeah, I remember that because they dropped bombs on Gaddafi and them. Uh, early 80s, this is the first time I had any experience with seeing a real DJ with turntables and mixes and all that. But to, go, to, but to bring it to the Force MDs, they were the Force MCs first. They used to go around and battle. Or matter of fact, they didn't battle, they were just MCs. They had Dr. Rock was the DJ, was Mercury and Stevie D in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Then came Jesse, Trisco, TCD. Maybe TCD was down 
from day one. I don't want to give a false history of those dudes, but they've been repping for Staten Island, A1 since day one, and they started out as rappers, turned themselves into a singing group called the Force MDs. Some of your favorite fucking hits came from these niggas, man. Mm. Tears, Love is a House, Here We Go Again, um, Tender Love. Yeah, a lot of joints, man, a lot of joints. Hip-hop has always been relevant. I mean, I, my introduction to hip-hop was my sixth grade trip. Even before then a little bit, because I remember doing the fucking Sugar Hill Gang and all that. Mm. You know what? Let's just leave this shit alone. I don't even <laughs> want to answer that shit no more. Oh, man, I want to hear about UMCs and r &Ds Yeah, and I mean, because it's, my, it's so, everything is so jumbled and shit, because you go to, all right, after the Force MDs, there had to be somebody else before the UMCs. I'm trying to think who the fuck it was. Uh, let's just say UMCs. Then it was UMCs. I went to school with Kim. Oh, okay. Me and him were in, uh, matter of fact, it's posted on my page. We were in uh, third or fourth grade together. He was always a cool motherfucker, very cool. He had all the best toys, too. <laughs> um, Salima as well. Mm -hmm. Masakela. Oh, okay. Uh, he's dating Lapita Nyong'o now. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Yeah, that's my guy right there. Mm -hmm. um, but UMCs, they were, they put it down for us, and I was happy for them niggas, man, especially knowing where they were from and where they came from and all that. And then, you know, last but not least was Wu-Tang, King Just, Rotten Rascals, uh, uh, a lot of dudes. Shaheen. Shaheem, yeah, how can I forget Shaheem? Rubber Bands, KD, Download Record, GP Woo, Pop the Brown Hornet. Man, uh, so many MCs. Soldier. Yeah, you know, Staten Island, we, we always had talent, man. It was just the fact that nobody wanted to take that boat trip. But Tracy Waples did. I salute you, Tracy Waples. That's what got me my deal at Def Jam and shit. How'd you link with Biggie? Biggie? Yeah. Through Tracy. Yeah. Okay. No, matter of fact, I met Big at the, they used to do rap seminar every year in uh, New okay. York. Okay. And I met Big at one of the after parties. We all performed at the Muse. Okay. And that was the first time I, uh, I heard him perform uh, Party and Bullshit. Killed that shit too. Murdered it. And he approached me and was like, yo, I'm Big. I was like, I know you is, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> we try to do a song together and shit. And like, yeah, uh, we could, no, matter of fact, he didn't say anything like that. He just dapped me up, whatever, whatever, and shit. Then I got a call saying he wanted to do the song. All right. Now, the what had, had you up in the Cobra Clutch? Cast forget, but that yeah. was everywhere. And it's funny because when I recorded it, I snuck to go do it. Right. Tracy Waples picked me up from my crib, and um, I remember RZA, all I could hear was RZA saying, don't do no songs with nobody, God. <laughs> we got to keep this money in the family, Lord. And I went and did that shit, and who knew? A great fucking record, man. Yeah. Great fucking record. And big, I got a friend for life that day. For real. Thomas. Pretty cool motherfucker. Thomas. Yeah, Thomas. Right, Tom. One more question about fashion? Yeah. The fashion joint, like, you always were, I remember you had the, um, the football gloves. Yeah. The Tim's, so. Yeah. Um, you know what? I was just emulating my block shit, but the football shit, I'm going to take credit for that. The gloves and the wristbands and the. Headbands, I'm taking credit for that. I was, I think I was first to do it. Or I might have saw it somewhere and bit that shit because that's what I get inspired by, biting. <laughs> I'm lying. Yeah, but I, I'll take credit for that. I will take credit for that. As far as fashion, man, I'm Mr. Throwing On. It don't matter what it is and shit. 
You know, I, I'm not real big on fashion. Uh, I dress like a gym teacher most of my existence. <laughs> yeah, because I'm always in the gym. So if you're looking for fashion tips, don't come to me with that shit, man. Somebody threw this on me. Yeah. Cool. Appreciate your time. Going Respect. Here. All right. All right, y'all, welcome to another edition to the Witness to History podcast. I am your host, Kyle Santilli, and I'm holding down for Hip Hop Wire. And the guy that we got on today, man, this guy is an excellent MC, representing out of the city of Detroit. He's been a part of some classic movements and some groundbreaking music. Yo, he goes by nickel to some, but we want to welcome Royce to 5'9 to the pod. How you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. Thank you for yeah, having me. Yeah, for feeling? sure, man. For sure, man. First and foremost, um, we've been doing this podcast as somewhat of an ode or dedication to 50 years of hip hop. Okay. You know what I mean? And we know that you're representing for the city of Detroit. In the course of the 50 years of hip hop, I want to start with where does Detroit fit into that conversation to you? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think we... Uh, I think we proved ourselves over the years um, as it pertains to hip hop and how we reach the world, starting with uh, starting with Eminem's movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his movement started, it spawned, it spawned a whole lot of very excellent MCs. And um, it also turned into uh, years later, it also opened the door for years later, the younger generation to come in with a completely different style and yeah. kind of take over the world in that regard. You know what I mean? So I think Detroit, you definitely solidified. We solidified our spot as a force to be reckoned with. You know, we never took it, took it like Atlanta took it. You know what I'm saying? We never did nothing like that. But I think we've done enough to, to at least be in the conversation. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be a part of that. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Eminem, and we know over the years you guys have had a great relationship. Uh, there was some, you know, you guys are like brothers, man. You fought at times, you've gotten back together, but you consider you consistently have praised him in his work. But I feel like, yo, you're just as dope as an MC. Like you're just as formidable as a lyricist. How have you guys pushed each other to greatness over the years? Well, you know, it's, it's I don't think it's an intentional thing that we've ever done. Um, I think, you know, still just sharp as steel. And I've always been like, I've always, even contrary to um, a lot of people's beliefs, M is, he's the big homie. He's like, that's like sensei. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've right. always learned so much from him. And um, I've always been somewhat of a student, but also, you know, the person that comes around and um, who is, it, it's kind of like my job sometimes to, to kind of, for lack of a better phrase put my foot in his ass you know what I'm saying? Because that's what he that's what he does when he comes around me right and i think i think we both need that because um both of us are like very self-contained artists like we like to be in the studio alone you know like and we like to be able to create everything ourselves and sometimes that can be great and sometimes that can just be isolation that can be yeah that could be you know what i mean that can be a sickness you know what i'm saying so right a lot of times and this is why i feel like I, I achieved so much and I learned so much by being in Slaughterhouse because it was it wasn't until I started collaborating on that level because I was anti everything, everybody for a long time. 
And then when I start collaborating with those guys, I realized that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. I think, <laughs> I think every MC needs needs that eye opening moment. You know, like when I first got in the studio with Marshall, I was like, I'm going in the studio with this dope ass white boy, but I'm a killing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And we got in the studio and he killed me. You know what I'm saying? So it was like <laughs> it was just like a wake up call. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. every MC needs that. Every MC needs that. For sure. Um, damn, there's so much to touch on just in that conversation, just with you and Slaughter Her- Slaughterhouse and everything that you guys did. Um, it was like you guys were a super group for lyricists, you know what I mean? And it was one of those things that was so dope because you guys were all from different parts of the country. So it was one of those things that kind of I looked at as a bonding thing. Like nobody could say, oh, my part of the country is better than yours because all of y'all were together in one group. You guys yes. think you'll ever be a time where you could come back and put, it, put together another project? That's probably not gonna happen. No, nah. that's probably not gonna happen. But but I mean, I mean, I kind of look at the slaughterhouse thing, and I try I try to see it for um for all the good that came out of it. You know what I mean? Okay. And I try for not sure. to I try not to like you know you can get to a, you can get to a, a point in creativity where you want it to be a certain way so bad, and you want it to work out so bad, but you can just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and it just it just turn into you kind of like it's to your detriment you know what i mean for sure i for think sure. a good skill to learn in this business and in, and in creativity as well is when to just cut your when to just cut your losses you know because when you collaborate with that many people on that level synergy is everything you know for like sure. if the synergy is not there then it's it's never going to work you know what i mean and, just, and in this business people grow apart people grow into different things as we grow and as the world things happen in the world that affects us it affects us all in different ways we all got our different situations and i think when we were just coming up all hungry mcs we were way more like-minded back then mm-hmm. you know what i mean i just i just don't think that we're on that same level in terms of the way we think today that we were yesterday you know and i think For that's sure. okay that's okay sure. you know what i mean so it, it is because a lot of there's a lot of people who tried to do what we did and we we were like seven years straight together every day right a lot of people weren't really not most most of them weren't able to achieve that alone you know what i mean like let's not even talk about record sales and money or touring or anything like that just being able to stay on the same page for that amount of time that many people i yeah. think it's just an amazing thing to accomplish and i'm proud of that absolutely you should be it was a dope definitely definitely a dope movement uh you mentioned earlier about you guys setting down a foundation and now there being a new crop of MCs that have created a new sound for Detroit. Uh, you guys are kind of versatile in Detroit. You got Babyface Ray, Boldy James, you know, Black Milk, Ty Ferris, Danny Brown, all of these different guys that have different sounds amongst themselves. But what do you think the future of Detroit hip hop is to you? I mean, I, I think it can, I think it, it, the only choice we have as far as evolution is to go back to, conscious rap <laughs> to be honest with you to go back yeah. to more conscious driven rap and, and and more lyrically lyrically driven rap that's the only other place that i can see it go because we've taken it so many different places right. and, and we figured out so many cool ways to express it mm-hmm. what else is there and and that's right. just me guessing that's just me guessing like sky's the limit on what it can be Whatever it's going to be, I'm going to make sure that I'm there to support it and understand it, no matter what it is. For sure. I mean, we can't even talk about the future of hip-hop in Detroit without talking about the past and talking about the greats. 
Uh, when I say JD, you know, what does that mean to you? JD is like, um, he's like one of the, he, he's, he's, he's on my, he's Mount Rushmore status to me. Yeah. You know, like, like, I, I think he's, pro I think he's the best beat maker ever. Yeah. In my personal opinion, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's just so technically inclined, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, he means everything to me. Like my only regret is that I didn't, I didn't spend more time nurturing that relationship. I was so young and I didn't realize the depth of who I was around. And, you know, when you're around people, when you're young and things are happening, when you, when you're young, you, you feel, it makes you feel like those things are going to be happening forever. And those people are going to be around forever. Yeah. You know, so, um, I just regret not building a relationship with the brother that I probably could have built with him. You know what I mean? Because he was always open to work. You know what I mean? Like he was always so cool when I seen him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it would be like one of them things like, let's just get in the lab, man. Let's get in the lab. All right. Yeah, I'll get with you. You know what I mean? And you just keep putting it off and don't really, you know, like if I had known then what I know now, man, I would have been fucking, I would have been fucking, I would have picked a couch at his crib and been like, all right, I'm living <laughs> with you. <laughs> I, I understand that though. I get it. I get it. I get it for sure. Uh, let's talk about Haven Studios. Let's talk about yeah, it's that. Called heaven. It's called I'm heaven. sorry. Let's talk about Heaven Studios. I apologize. Let's talk about I'm Heaven sorry. Studios. It's all right. It's all right. And um, do you prefer being a mentor, a producer for others, or do you prefer, you know, making your own music? Like, you know, which one is kind of giving you more joy? Um, right now, mentoring for others, but um, it it, ch it changes daily. Like, I got a lot of, I got a few other things that I'm working on that um. I'll be announcing soon, but what I'm working on right now is, is, is I'm most excited about this that I've been about anything that I've ever done, mm. you know, and I, I'm just, I, I'm just taking the, the proper time that's needed to, to develop it and make sure that it's perfect before I present it to the people, you know what I mean? But, um, are you able to give us a hint though? No. <laughs> he said, no, nah, not at all. <laughs> no, not I'm, not all, gonna give huh? a, I'm not, I'm not going to give a hint, man. Cause I don't, I don't know. I don't know how soon I'll be able to flesh it all the way out. Okay. Um, but I, but I have, I took some major, actually yesterday, I took some major steps in the process yesterday that I'm real happy about. Okay. So, um, hopefully soon, man, hopefully soon, but you, you, you guys, you, you know, sooner or later, cause I'm gonna stay on top of it. But every day, you know, I wake up in a different mood, you know, Prem is here right now. So Prem is here right now. And that's kind of like on the top of my my mind like working with him because yeah it's always an honor to have just just to have him around you know what i'm saying like i feel blessed every time i see him walk through the door so yeah you know so it, it, it changes you know what i'm saying like and i try to i kind of try to work on whatever i'm feeling at the time the most because in that moment you know if that's how i'm feeling in that moment then i know that's what's gonna come out the best you know what i mean yeah it's yo it's so ill that you said prem is there because i was literally was going there with my next question because i was like with all of the classic work that premiere has done from all of the artists and the groups he produced including his own with gangstar when he drops boom that you and him did together that's one of those songs that immediately you know sends the hip-hop crowd up you know what i mean how does it feel to have one of the most recognizable DJ Premier classics. It feels great. It feels great. Like I, I love the fact that um, I can't I can't explain to you why people love that song so much. <laughs> right. And, and I think that's what a classic is, right? 
Yeah. Like you're not supposed to be able to explain it. It's just understood. You know what I mean? Like sure. they never have an exp- explanation. Like I can't explain to you exactly why Illmatic is a classic, but you already know. I think you it can't t- tell me and I can't tell you, but you already know. I can attempt to. I can just say I feel like um, whether it's a song or an album, it really captures a feeling that that's perfect for that time. Like mm-hmm. that beat that he produced and the way that you ride the beat and you rap on it is just something special about the time in which it came out and what you guys captured. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if that song comes out, you know, five years later or five years before, maybe not so much, but it was perfect for that moment with the perfect music, the perfect rhymes. You know what I mean? It's, it's a timing thing, if you will. But why was it perfect in that moment? I, for me, I could say that in that moment, I felt like that's where the music was starting to become a little less lyrical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not that it was a throwback like 10 years back. It was also, it was somewhat of a reminder, like, nah, it's still about that boom bat. It's still about these beats and these bars. And for me, that's what it did. Mm-hmm. But do you think Nas and them went in with that kind of foresight? No, 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 no. They didn't have a foresight, but it, <laughs> it wasn't a for- I think with Nas, when you talk about Illmatic, for him at that time period, it was the next level. When Illmatic dropped, everybody was regarding Nas as the next level of Rakim, the next stage mm-hmm. of Rakim. You know what I mean? So that was more about progression, at least just how I'm interpreting it as we're speaking about it. Um, that was more about progression to the next level, where, where I think for that song with you and Preem, it was like, nah, don't forget about this. Like, we still nasty out here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Cause I, and back to my back to my point to add on to your point, I wasn't thinking that when I went in the studio to record it. Yeah. It, it was just another day, another day at the studio. Mm. And when, when I finished the verses, I, I didn't do anything different with those verses. When I finished the verses, I didn't feel like they were the greatest verses ever. Or anything like that. I feel like I've done way more lyrical things, way more lyrical than that since then. Right. But what I'm learning is it's not about that. It's just about, like you said, it's about timing and it's about the shit just being right. It's something about boom that's just right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, like, it's just it's like you know, and I can't really explain it. And yeah. I guess that's why they call like when you have classic albums and shit like that. That's why they call it like sophomore jinx and shit like that because you can't you can never really duplicate it again for sure you know what i mean and that's the beautiful thing about it absolutely uh, i know you're a huge boxing fan they said eminem just came out with the, at the big fight with bud crawford is there a fighter you like to come out into the ring with bud crawford <laughs> yeah, <you went> <laughs> <laughs> same one huh? bud crawford, yeah. yeah i like um i mean i like i like a lot of people i like a lot of people i love canelo you know Can- canelo just fought but um yeah i love ta- i love tank Shakira Stevens is, Stevenson is probably my favorite fighter. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I love to walk him out. Mm. Is there a, I, a particular song? A particular I, song I, that well, would I, don't know, I don't know what, what kind of song I would do for Shakur because, like, he's so versatile. You know, he can be turned up, but he can also be calm and relaxed. You know what I mean? Like, he never really, he never really makes a mistake in the ring. So it would just depend on, you know, what he wanted and what type of energy he wanted to come out to. Yeah, for sure. Taking it back really quick to uh, Detroit and, um, you know, the 50 years of hip hop, um, you mentioned earlier about like the whole movement between you guys and Eminem kind of kicking down the door for Detroit. What was your 
leading up to that moment, what were the inspirations for Detroit prior to Eminem coming out in the game? Awesome Dre and the Hardcore Committee. Uh, Detroit's Most Wanted. Uh, Eshawn. Um, we had some. We had some guys. MC Breed. Um, we we definitely had some people. We had some people who, who we looked up to. We loved. Um, who didn't necessarily break through worldwide like that, like right. Eminem did, but they definitely set they set the pace. Especially Eshawn. He set the pace. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. gotta always give it up to them, man. Respectfully, does uh, Detroit claim Exhibit? Uh, no, because Exhibit doesn't claim Detroit. Because from what I understand, he was he was from Detroit, and then he kind of came up in LA. Is that what it is? Yeah, he has he has roots in Detroit. He got he got family in Detroit. I mean, he got us. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But I think um, I heard something about like Mexico, and then he moved to Cali after that. Okay, but I think I think X claims Cali. I believe. Okay, it was I still mean, like if, somewhat. You know, of... If Cali want to give them to us, we'll take them. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was still somewhat of a respect and a nod to him for the fact that he was in Eight Mile too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. we fuck with we he family anyway. You know what I mean? So that's what that is. Why you wasn't at Eight Mile? Did you write any of the battle raps or anything? No, I had nothing. I ain't had nothing to do with Eight Mile. I don't remember why I wasn't a part of that. I don't think I think me and Marshall were talking at that time, but at, no, we couldn't have been. We couldn't have been because I would have been a part of. It. Yeah. Yeah, that might have been a time when y'all was a little having a little distance between y'all. Yeah, I was probably somewhere drunk talking shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> How accurate is the uh, the scenes about the shelter in the movie? How accurate is that to real life in Detroit? No, not, nothing about that movie was accurate to real life to me. Like that's why I trip when people um, make comments about it. Like, yo, that's not the real Detroit. I don't think it was meant to be depicted as that. Okay. Like, very, very loosely based. You know what I'm what saying? Do you like think very it... loosely based. So I, I don't think it was meant to um to accurately depict anything specifically in Detroit. I think it was just meant to tell just a real dope story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the fact that what about just the whole storyline of M coming up through the battle scene? Well, he came up through the battle scene, but not in that nature, not like that. Mm. I mean, he definitely came, he definitely was a white kid who came up in the battle scene for sure. Mm. But that was the only that was the only correlation you can draw to it. You know what I mean? Like his journey, his journey didn't go like that, but he, but it, he had a journey for sure where it was, where it was battling, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't, it wasn't like that storyline. I got to go back and look at the movie again. I literally just watched it last week. Cause I love that movie. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a great movie, man. I Which love the movie. You like better. You like that one or you like the 50 cent one? Oh, definitely eight mile. You like eight mile better? Okay. The reason though, the reason though is because I relate to the movie so much uh from a hip hop perspective. Yeah. Like when all of the guys are driving in the cars and they're listening to certain songs, or even the instrumentals that they're having the battle scenes to, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff was very much a part of my the soundtrack of my life during mm-hmm. that time period as well. You know what yeah. I mean? No, the the, the hip hop scene in Detroit, like we could Everybody that used to go to like the hip hop shop, the Ebony Showcase, and all of that, St. Andrews, we definitely can relate to Eight Mile more than anything. You know what I'm saying? But we, right. us who know Marshall, we know that that's not exactly his journey. Understood. Understood. All right, the Detroit scene, man. They talk about it having a couple of different sides, man. The street side, the hustler world. 
And of course, what we were just talking about, like the cipher underground battle style, you know, what do you think about, um, what do you think inspires that dichotomy of the city? Uh, just the different neighborhoods um, and the versatility that has always been in Detroit since inception, mm. you know, um, and just differences in opinion and what we grew up listening to. It's like a melting pot of different styles and stuff like that. So automatically as artists and as fans, we are kind of like programmed to categorize things. Mm. And that's where, you know, that burst the dichotomy. You know what I mean? We automatically put street rappers in a, in a certain category and then we put hip-hop rappers in a certain category and it's not until we we age a little bit that we realize we're not so much different we're not so much as different from each other as we thought we were mm -hmm. agreed know? agreed i oftentimes look at people that um people consider to be conscious artists and I, when I listen to them, I'm like yo these bars and these lyrics are talking about the same stuff in the streets that you think everybody else is talking about it's just translated a little different. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Exactly. All right, last thing, bro. I know we don't have a whole lot of time with you, but I just wanted to give you the last word in terms of, uh, you know, what people need to know about you, what people need to know about Detroit and how it relates to hip-hop. What's the last word you like to leave with the people watching? Um, thank you for supporting current Detroit. Thank you for supporting Detroit of yesterday, if that's how you view it. Um, thank you for celebrating all things Detroit. And I'm just... Like I said, I'm just proud to be a part of the evolution of not only just Detroit, but hip hop over the last 50 years. I'm proud I'm proud to have my face on lists with other rappers. I'm proud to be in the same conversation as rappers that I grew up idolizing. I'm proud to be a part of it, you know what I mean? So thank you. I would just say thank you. Yeah, no doubt. I'm Appreciate grateful. your time, bro. It looks like you probably about to hit the studio. I think I'm about to go listen to some Prime or something. Oh man, go ahead. You go ahead and do that, dude. That's gonna hold you over. That's gonna hold you over, my brother. I appreciate you, man.